literally, I called everyone in the credits. They literally, you know, hung up on me. Hi, I'm Gordon. Hi, I'm Gordon from Harvard. Hi, I'm an engineer. Hi, I love your game. Until a person in the special thanks, Jim Simmons, picked up the phone and said, I love your passion. I, 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 I believe you. And I can get you an entry-level interview at Electronic Arts. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to own your career, turn up the volume, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, this is the last week of our Lead With Your Brand New Year challenge because we are on the final step to achieving your next career breakthrough. Step number five is all about promoting yourself. Now, I know what you're thinking. You don't want to promote yourself. You don't want to be a braggart. You don't want to go out there planting flags and taking credit for things. But guess what? This matters. When I think of the lead with your brand system, it is all about taking a brand marketer's toolkit and turning it on our own brand. Because in your career, you are a product and you are trying to make sales. Now, you've heard that old saying, if a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, does it really make a sound? Well, the same thing is true about your brand. In fact, great CMOs know that consumers need to see a marketing message eight to 15 times before they're even aware. Let me repeat that. You as a consumer, you need to see a billboard, a banner ad on a website, an Instagram supported post eight to 12 times before you're even aware of that new show that's airing on Netflix, and that isn't even an intent to click through or to purchase. So guess what, folks? You can't just sing your praises once per year on your annual review. That is not going to cut it. Now, here are three ways that you can think about promoting yourself. The first one is all about advertising. That's what you say about yourself. That's the message that you craft and control. You have to be your own head of advertising there. Think about it. When you pop onto a Zoom or Microsoft Teams call, 
What are you saying? When you make that introduction, that is advertising that you control. When you post on social media, when I go to your LinkedIn page, everything on that, that entire real estate is your billboard that you control. Make sure that you are taking advantage of all of your advertising opportunities. Now, the second way that you can promote yourself is all about endorsement. That is what influential others say about you. And you know what? This is the importance of networking and who knows you, and more importantly, who knows you for what. I will tell you, I have worked with tons and tons of executives over my career, and I'm friends with many of them. But the important thing that I know about managing my relationship with them is that they are in a position to sponsor and endorse me in my career, in my consultancy. So guess what? I need to give them the language. I need to keep in touch with them so that when they're saying, oh, Jason Patria, call Jason, go ahead and ping Jason. They actually know the great things that I've been working on, that they actually know my supersized brand attributes, that they know my mission so that they are conveying that for other folks. You have to give them the recommendation language. Now, the final part about promoting yourself is the toughest one, and that is word of mouth, because that what gets said about you when you're not in the room. Guess what? It is what gets said about you, even by those who have never met you. That is your reputation. And that, my friends, is the value for showing up and being consciously competent about how you live and lead with your brand every single day. This is the importance of making sure that you know that you're on stage all of the time because it's your actions and behaviors that are truly going to determine how you lead with your brand. Now, if you visit leadwithyourbrand.com, you can download our step number five, promote yourself worksheet. And what we're going to focus on is that element of advertising that you 100% control. We are going to have you work on your elevator pitch and your boilerplate. Now, I know you've heard of the elevator pitch before, and of course, it got that fun name because it should be that you can imagine yourself getting on the elevator bank of a tall building and the CEO steps in and you only have 30 or 45 seconds to say who you are and the value that you bring. Now, I know people have told me all of the time, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it, but I don't think that's for real. Well, I had one of the folks that attended Lead With Your Brand come back to me and she said, oh my gosh, Jason, you're gonna be so upset with me I blew it. I was in 30 Rockefeller Plaza. I got in the elevator. I was in by myself. And the CEO, Steve Burke, stepped into the elevator. And I didn't know what to say. And he looked at me and he said, hi. And I turned to him and I said, wow, I love your shoes. And she knew in the moment she blew it and she froze up. But that's what I mean. You never know when you're going to have a chance to share your elevator pitch. So you're going to come up with that succinct way to sell yourself in a way that is not bragging. I'll share for you my own elevator pitch. When I meet people, I tell them that I work with entertainment, tech, and media companies to make sure that their workforce can bring their best authentic 
themselves to work every single day and find their true brand voice. I can simply say that right there. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Jason, I don't know, that's not that specific, but it doesn't have to be. It just gives people a teaser because when I tell that to people, they immediately say, wow, that's so interesting. Tell me more. Well, guess what? The tell me more is all about going into your boilerplate where you can come back in a very natural and conversational way to explain what you do and more importantly, how you add value. So go ahead and check out leadwithyourbrand.com where you can download your worksheet to build your elevator pitch and your boilerplate. And if you've missed any of our other steps, you can download them there as well. And you can hear on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts if you start with the first week of January's Lead With Your Brand podcast. I am super excited about today's guest. His name is Gordon Bellamy, and he is a full professor of the practice of cinematic arts at USC Games and head of the USC Bridge Incubator Program, which is helping to cultivate the next generation of leaders in the gaming industry. Now, he has played key business and product leadership roles at Tencent, Electronic Arts, where he was the designer on Madden NFL Football, and MTV, and he's consulted for numerous, numerous companies in the media industry. He's received a Lifetime Achievement Award at GDC and was featured on Nickelodeon for Black History Month for his 25 years of contributions to the game industry and culture. You can currently see him on Netflix in the documentary High Score, as well as on Disney Plus on The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Now, Gordon also serves as the president and CEO of the Gay Gaming Professionals and is on the board of directors of the Wave VR and has served as executive director of both the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences and the International Game Developers Association. We'll be back in just a few moments with Gordon Bellamy. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am super excited for my guest, Gordon Bellamy. Gordon, what's going on? Oh, wow. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's a privilege to be here. I've learned so much from you from your seminars. I'm excited to be part of the ecosystem myself. (laughs) Well, Gordon, I have been dying to have you on the show because you have just such this amazing background in gaming industry. You're like, I think of you as like the king of the gaming industry when, when I think about it. But for people who don't know who you are and don't know what you do, how do you how do you introduce yourself? How do you explain that to people? Sure. You know, I've had the good fortune to have a long career in games. And the way I talk about it now is in terms of purpose. And I really feel like my purpose is helping people get from point A to point B who don't know how. And that purpose has spanned many of my roles. So whether it be as a professor now in my business development roles with Tencent or MTV or THQ, or even when I was a game designer, Electronic Arts, it was always about that 
that voyage of how do you get someone from where they are to where they want to be when they just don't know how and, and you could be helpful. Wow. So I love that, that whole nature of helping people get to where they want to be. And how did you come to that purpose? How do I arrive at understanding it? I, I actually took a walk and talk with someone at Riot Games. They had someone at Riot, which is a subsidiary of Tencent, whose role was, I guess, professional development and actualization. And we took a stroll and, and we talked about what was meaningful to me in my career and then really distilled it down. And at the end of that process, ended at my purpose. Very cool. So one of the reasons, Gordon, I wanted to talk to you was you've had such an interesting career, right? You noted being a game designer all the way to working in the cable entertainment TV business, and now you're a full professor of practice at USC. Tell me, when you look back over you know, your 25-plus year career, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? Well, obviously breaking in was the first breakthrough moment. So I got my first job in a very interesting way. I was um, in my dorm room at Harvard and I cold called everyone in the credits for a game called NHL Hockey, which you'll see actually here if you could see me. And and I really sort of made my own luck to get into the industry, which was and is my passion. Other big breakthroughs have really come from, I'll give an example. I had the opportunity to run the International Game Developer Association for the world. And you might go, how's that come to be? You're just one developer in the world. <laughs> well, it actually began at Game Developers Conference. And there was a developer named Eugene Jarvis who made a game called Defender, right before your time, very popular game. And he was walking in the halls of this conference in his Defender shirt, and people weren't paying attention. And I was like, this is one of the forefathers of our industry. We should be treating him with the respect he deserves. And if we don't, if we're always sort of just chasing the dragon of the future and not building on our own history and celebrating it, well, then we will be commoditized as a people. And I was like, I need to be accountable for my feelings. And I was like, I'm going to join my local chapter of the International Game Developer Association and begin to understand um, the issues of my community and how I could elevate developer rights. I did that for a while, and then I ran for the national board, the global board, and then was named executive director of the organization. I mean, that's a short version of it, but the break, once again, began with a very crystallized focus right, on following my passion and then being open to the opportunities which were afforded following that. Mm -hmm. So take me back to that dorm room at Harvard. First off, how, how did you know that your passion was gaming? And then, you know, a lot of people do cold calling, but how did you actually get in? Understood. Two parts. So part A, why gaming? Once again, you can't see I'm on a podcast, but I'm black and I'm also gay. And what that means is that I was raised to understand that there would be a different set of rules for how I navigate the world, um, how I navigate social interactions, how I navigate this podcast, how I navigate business. And games were the only place where the rules were all the same mm. and where I could actually interact with you, with people, with friends, and be on not even a level playing field, on the same playing field. 
And so it's always been very resonant with me, very meaningful for me to create games, to play games, and even in a broader sense, to create default spaces where people have an opportunity to be their best selves in an equitable fashion. That's why games. As for your second question, as the dorm room and how I actually got in, literally, I called everyone in the credits. They literally, <laughs> you know, hung up on me. Hi, I'm Gordon. Hi, I'm Gordon from Harvard. Hi, I'm an engineer. Hi, I love your game. Until a person in the special thanks, Jim Simmons, picked up the phone and said, I love your passion. I, 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 I believe you. And I can get you an entry-level interview at Electronic Arts in quality assurance. The good fortune, specifically, was that it was a different Jim Simmons than the one in the credits. There was someone <laughs> who didn't know that I was calling up and down the hallways of Electronic Arts, who was actually in another building, who had that name, and that person specifically gave me my break, and I'm I'm thankful to him to this day. It's why I'm that's why I'm here with you on this podcast. But once he gave me that shot, I made my own luck. Right, I still mm-hmm. had to get out over spring break pack my own backpack and go all in, you know, do the, do the, uh, before there was LinkedIn back then we had Crimson Compass back at Harvard, which was an alumni network where you could look up people who were in your craft. And so I did my Crimson Compass work for electronic arts and, and just all modes of, of just preparation for the moment. Right. And so, yeah. And so I rose to the occasion of the moment. That's how I got into my career. And I mean, you rose pretty high because you were named the rookie of the year when you were oh, at EA, sure, right? Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. So I mean, after I got in there, you know, I think that I had a unique appreciation for the opportunity, and the opportunity meant something unique to me. And um, you know, we talk sometimes a lot about sort of exceptionalism, right? So working at Electronic Arts was a matter of identity for me. Mm-hmm. It was driven by an internal passion. It was not an extrinsic job opportunity. It was who I was. And so once I had the opportunity to channel that energy and focus towards uh, learning and production and creating value inside the organization, I had an innate advantage over other new employees who maybe were just navigating the same situation from a different vantage point. I think I've had that good fortune in my career where, yeah, so, you know, I was rookie of the year at Electronic Arts. I helped start a studio with one of my best friends called Z-Axis that we sold to Activision. Like we alluded to before, I've run both trade organizations for the game industry. I've worked for Tencent, the largest game company in the world by far. And, and now I get to, to give back to our next generation at USC Games and help them live their dreams, as well as um, I lead a nonprofit called the Gay Gaming Professionals, which is about education, employment, expertise, which is this podcast, right? <laughs> and, and entrepreneurship, which is also this podcast, <laughs> in and around the LGBTQ plus community. Mm. So tell me a little bit more when you were at Electronic Arts, because you're sort of known as this person that really helped bring equity to the NFL Madden product. Tell us a little bit about that story. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it's interesting because that's come back around now like 25 years later. I think it's a great opportunity to provide context, right? I think you talk and teach and inform people about their brand, right? So 
in my core being, I had always played football games. <laughs> like electric games, I collected football cards, I played Stratomatic, all of it. Like if there's a game that was really that I played it, it was who I was. So that by the time I got to Electronic Arts, my mission was to move that franchise forward holistically. And what that meant was every single feature of the nuance of football – how do we celebrate the history of football and how do we celebrate the today of football? So to, to go to the story I, you're alluding to back then players could only be like one color. There's limitations of the graphics. And uh, back then as now, the majority of players are African-American. Mm-hmm. These are just facts. I'm also African-American. And once I got into a position to decide, or as you know, as Hamilton says, once I got in the room where it happens, <laughs> I made the 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 bold choice to make African American players default. And what that meant, which is something you don't often see in media experiences, was that players who were European American or Latin X or other places of origin were all African American. So imagine you know, that Steve Young is black, and so is Troy Aikman, and so is Emmitt Smith, and so is everybody, you know, because football. <laughs> and, and what is so powerful about that coming from a, a marginalized community is, for once, I wasn't doing the mental gymnastics, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, which is a, a refreshing, refreshing and meaningful experience, right, to, to be default, Right. And we all seek out spaces. I mean, maybe that's, you know, part of uh, everyone's journey is to find spaces where they can be default so that then they can be outstanding in their own ways. You know, people, corporations off talk about bringing yourself to work. Well, what's yeah. implied in that is that you're default, right? That yeah. yourself is not in some way disruptive to the business, right? To the <laughs> bottom line of what this is all about. And, and so, yeah, I had the opportunity to, ex- to, to expand or recenter what was normal. And I, and I did. I absolutely did. And, you know, it's, as I've discovered, meaningful to this day. Like, I didn't by any means expect to be talking about it 25 years later. However, in the real world, I think we recognize that we are still, you know, not that far along the road of being sure that people of the diverse uh, races, uh, expressions, places of origin, socioeconomic status, orientations, etc., uh, are sitting at the main table as default. So I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to take those steps back then. And to give you your your fair share of credit, your people can now see you in the documentary on Netflix, High Score, where you, yes. you talk about that. So what's that like 25 years later, not only having it talked about, but like where everyone in the world is, is streaming this doc? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic, especially, I mean, during this this time, right, where we've all been separated and are primarily experiencing digital media as a way of experiencing each other. It was. It is so meaningful to have a voice in a place where everyone is. Once again, to be default. So just as you even say it to me, it falls so nicely on the ear, like, oh, you're on Netflix. And I go, yes, I am. 
Also Disney, <laughs> also Disney Plus. No bias, but the point being that that being in a default space like that and getting to tell your story as the is is super meaningful. I'll go even micro meaningful. I'm in the trailer for the documentary, and the trailer, I am the first voice you hear, and that is something that has nothing to do with football or video games or maybe even Netflix, right? The opportunity to speak first and not have to wait for your turn to speak is a is a broad, broad, broad issue for people from different populations. Uh, this morning, actually, uh, there's a story about um, about that time and, and my contributions in The Athletic, which is a, a sports journal. It's great because it's told from a little different vantage point. It's about mentorship and maybe even closer to purpose, mm-hmm. right? And, I, and I'll tell you how this relates to your original question. It's because my purpose, taking people from point A to point B, of people who don't know how, right – as a single thread, there is this narrative of young black children seeing themselves in a video game. Thus, I was laser focused on a specific feature. Um, I was also focused on equity and employment mm-hmm. and actually being sure that our team that was working on the game looked like the world and had people from different walks of life. And how do we democratize that access, right? Because the road to Silicon Valley is very far if you have no roads or rivers <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Right. And so I was very focused on, on that. And, you know, to this day, there's, you know, young people of all races who are in our industry because of that. And it was just, it was really nice to see that reflected because yeah, for me, it's all one stack of purpose, whether it be the people that you're working with, the product that you're creating, the community who's experiencing it and discussing it, like all of those things are one to me. Yeah. So let, let's let expand on this whole notion of purpose and really bring it into the brand space. How okay. would you describe your brand as both uh, a designer as well as a mentor and, and professor? I think that I'm very additive to people's lives. And I think that's a big part of my brand. It's a big part of the way that people experience me. What's great about that is that that brings me joy mm. and is fulfilling in purpose. Absolutely. I mean, I will share. I mean, do you remember when we first met? We were doing this crazy scavenger hunt. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yes. and okay. right. And my, we, we were supposed to be teams of four. Yep. I had, I was on a team of three. We were looking for an additional person, and you came out of the crowd and you were like, I want to play. I'm jumping in your car. I'm like, we're going to win. Right. And, and so it's, it's funny to me that, yes, in a professional standpoint, as a thought leader in the industry, that's true. And in a completely social situation where I had no idea who you, who you were. That's what really came forward to me as well. Oh, thank you. And now, Gordon, has that always been you? Has that always been your brand when you were a kid sitting in that dorm room at Harvard? Was that your brand? Or how has it maybe evolved mm-hmm. over time? No, no, for sure. No, it was not always my, always my brand. My, uh, my brand, I think that for me, before coming out and after coming out, two different brands. And the reason being that uh, before you come out, there's so much compartmentalization Mm -hmm. like of self that's actually part of your brand. 
managing everyone knows what code switching is at home so code switching if you don't know <laughs> is when you have an identity or expression that you modulate in order to accommodate some other someone else's default space right mm-hmm. and so just drawing on my own adjectives right it is not being too discernibly gay to make someone who's not gay uncomfortable, not being too discernibly African-American to make someone who's not African-American uncomfortable, not too rich, not too poor, not too tall, not too short. It is it is the suppression of self in order to fit in in hopes that that is the tactic to move further forward together. Point being, the line between code switching and compartmentalization are cousins, mm-hmm. okay? Because usually in order to code switch effectively, you also need to compartmentalize facets of your life, yourself, whatever, not bring that to the table. And so there's a long answer, but I was so conscious of that compartmentalization that only in games was I my true self. But even in games, I, I felt the need to not bring my identity to the games. Right. And so I was not able to then be as good as I was. Right. Which is what it is to bring your whole self. Yeah. Once I was able to bring my whole self, you know, to it, turns out I'm, you know, I have some amazing moments. Right. (laughs) And, and I have more to give others. Yeah. Right. Because I'm not doing the mental gymnastics of who I am in every word and any, every phrase and everything that I do. I'm just trying to, to listen. Mm -hmm. Right and engage and um all those good things so so to answer your question in a long way no my brand evolved as i had more conviction about the value that all the different facets of myself brought to the table and what were some of those moments or those times where you had that realization that you could bring more elements of your identity or that that was actually oh, sure. adding value? Sure, 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 sure. I'll talk about coming out in the game industry. So there's really two main points of inflection. So the the coming out in the game industry had, yeah, it's really clear in mind, two major points because I was closeted. When I moved to LA and I was going to working at THQ and there was a company holiday party and at a plus one. And I was living with my husband now of 23 years, and I wa- <laughs> and I wanted him to come to the party more than I wanted to not bring myself to work, right? And I think one of the promises I you know had made to myself and to him was to not bring any of that that bias into our relationship, and so it was just really clear to me at that point in life, like, oh, it's the company holiday party. Either you are closeted, right? Which is different if you're single, then you're like, oh, I'm just not going to talk about it, right? It was a different kind of closet. But when you have a partner who you love and you don't bring to the it was super clear. So I brought him. It was great. That was one. The second was um, I was working at MTV and at Spike TV. Remember the network for men? Yeah. Back then, queer people in the game industry existed on a mailing list only. And the mailing list was anonymous to each other because the consequences of being out in whatever you're setting across the world, the, there was a high probability that it, the outcome was unemployment, yeah. right? At the very least, the plateauing of your career. And and this time I'd already designed Madden. Like that already happened. Like Madden and sold a copy, like lots of things. But still, that was the, the, the feeling. Anyway, a young man named Jeb Havens, who's one of the greatest 
designers of his generation was working on a game called Playboy the Game. So, of course, Playboy the Game, Spike TV, match made in heaven. So <laughs> there was a special on the game. And um, in and um, in the interview, they had asked him, like, what's his favorite type of girl, favorite type of Playboy bunny, whatever, something, right? Yeah. Something, something wonderfully heteronormative. And and he responded, what have you. Anyway, he went onto our mailing list and said, hey, I've got this problem. I did this interview and I don't know that I represented myself the way you know I ought to have. You know, what do you all suggest? Like, what should I do about it? Because I'm really regretting what happened. Okay. And I was there anonymously on the mailing list working at the network. I was there. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, like the, the will for me to, to elevate and support people outweighs any perceived economic consequence that I think I might have in a story that I'm just telling in my own head, right? Because when you're not out, you just make up the stories. Like, this will happen, yeah. this happened, this happened, right? So it, it is outweighed. Like, I want to help Jeb there. And I, you know, got up, went down the hallway, said, hey, we have a problem. <laughs> I know I don't actually work in production per se, but we need to make an edit because there's someone out there who's having a terrible experience because of the content that we're about to put out there, you know, on our network. And I'm out. I'm talking, I'm, I'm not only am I gay, I am talking about LGBTQ stuff in the workplace and we need to make a change and equity and here we are. That was just the point of point of inflection for me. And uh, those are two. I mean I could talk about a bunch, but those are two very crystallized ones that come to mind. Absolutely. So today, what are some of those things? I mean you've talked about this year is all about intentionality and reflection for you. What are some things that you intentionally do to show up on brand as the CEO of gay gaming professionals or when you go in to be an amazing thought leader or consultant for a big media company? What what do you think about so that you show up the way you want to show up? Wow, that's a great question. Is that one, I give people the benefit of the doubt mm. that they're trying their best, right? And whether they're early or they're late or they're dressed like this or that, that they are trying their best and I give them that energy. And here's why that's important. I read a book called Untethered Soul. And what Untethered Soul in short is about is about how you think about people in between interactions. And by that I mean if I text you, Jason, and you don't text me back instantly. Okay, I can either go, Jason's off texting somebody else and he's not paying attention to me and he's da 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 right? And I can bring that energy to our next conversation, right? Why you te- right? Or I could be like, you know what? Jason's rescuing kittens from trees. Jason is doing the charitable work, which, which he's known and renowned in the community, right? Now, neither of those are true, okay? The hardest part is just to be present with you as you are mm-hmm. and not make any of those assumptions. And I think doing that enables me to, to listen better to be uh, more present in what's going on right now and to support people the best that I can, right, in their efforts. My point being, I try to bring that to all my interactions, wherever people are, like, on their path forward, wherever they are with their brands. A lot of people who are, who are unsure of their brand, unsure of their purpose. In fact, they're defined more by extrinsic feedback, 
right, than they are by their own brand and mm-hmm. identity. Put really simply, they're letting the world act on them rather than acting on the world. Absolutely. So I know you talked a lot about members of a marginalized community. Sure. I think there's there's industries and functions and jobs that also have a lot of headwinds that come at it. So I'm interested to hear from you because as someone that I would not consider myself a gamer, right? It feels like the world has this view of gamers as like loners and weird and uh, geek or introvert and those types of things. So as someone that's constantly coaching and mentoring people in the space, how, how do you help them get past something that society just kind of labels as their brand? I guess I have a unique empathy, right? Because so as a it will return to identity, right? As an African-American gay person, I know what it is to be otherized, right? Like your very question, you're like, society perceives you other in this way. The world perceives you other in this way. And so I think that regardless of the the context, I have an authenticity which is undeniable, and an intention to help, which is undeniable. I don't know, you know, right or wrong, I think that I'm very good at leaving people with intention. Absolutely. So what is your favorite brand? As a consumer, what are you obsessed with? What brand can't you live without? I've consumed a lot of the Nike brand. Like I definitely bought into the Just Do It and the Jordan commercials and all of that, that by putting on this, that isn't the shoes, like that there's something that is a differentiated experience based on the brand of shoe, which you, which you wore. Awesome. So here's my, here's my okay. final question for okay, you. Yes. Sure. What is the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Identify your passion, like your passion, like what matters to you, because you'll be able to iterate in jobs following that passion through line, right? The second part would be to identify people who are two levels above you down that passion line, at least, okay? People who are in a position to simply see your success as their success and start making like monthly, bi-monthly, like 15-minute meetings. Like just go on LinkedIn, go on Twitter, wherever's organic for your space, Instagram, depends on your space. And like identify people who are like two or three levels above you down your passion line, not doing what you want to do, but just like down your line of passion. Just reach out. Hey, this is what I care about. I'd love to spend 15 minutes with you. Here's the, here's why that's such to me, good advice in this time for the first time in history, everybody's home. (laughs) everybody's home so they aren't on a business trip they aren't a conference they aren't at ces or whatever they're home dealing with the same things trying to you know feed their families get their body right keep their emotions together all the same things it's a it is a been a great time to to, people are very humanized right no one is trading business cards are those gone forever jason i'm not sure <laughs> the, right am i right okay right so so there's a lot less pretense right and i feel as though as a professional if you were connected and had you know x number of people at that level looking and seeing your success as their success that would really serve you now especially because so much interaction and business is being done digitally like warm intros are more critical than ever. 
right? Because companies may be hiring you to work from home, but to make their business work. And that takes trust, not just internet. Absolutely. So I love that. Look for people who can sponsor you and passion. And Gordon, thank you for sharing your passion, ladies and gentlemen. Gordon Bellamy, thank you so much for being on the show. Glad to be here. Glad to help any way I can. And and just hello to everyone out there. I just hope you're having a healthy and safe day. You know, we all know how it can be. Absolutely. And we'll be back in a few minutes with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Gordon Bellamy. He has so much amazing knowledge and information that works not only for the gaming industry and broader media, but really for anyone in their profession. What really stood out for me was this whole notion of finding both your passion and your purpose. When I think of the lead with your brand system, it really has to be based on your passion and your purpose, and then you can jump into our five steps. Now, this is the end of our Lead with your brand new year challenge. We have been through all five steps of the lead with your brand system. We started back in January with step number one. It's all about defining your audience. Remember, when you try to be something to everyone, you're really nothing to no one. Then in step two, we asked you to know what you stand for today because your brand must be authentically you. It's It's not about trying to be somebody else. It's about finding out what is the core that makes you tick and brings value to others. Then we looked at step number three, where we had tons of fun refining who you want to be by taking those four to eight brand attributes and supersizing them and turning them into superpowers. Then we looked at step number four, which was about keeping up your image, creating that brand filter, and making sure that what people see in terms of what you wear, how you dress, your workspace, and more importantly, how you act and produce your signature projects sings in harmony with your defined brand. And finally, this week has all been about step number five, promoting yourself. Remember, if you aren't singing your praises, who the heck is? So go out there and make sure that you are advertising yourself, that you're soliciting endorsements from those amazing influencers that are in your life And make sure that you lead with your brand every single day so that the word of mouth about what people say about you is exactly what you want them to be saying. Now, you can go to leadwithyourbrand.com to download all of our worksheets that will walk you through each of the five steps to help you lead with your brand new year here in 2021. 
Well, that's the end of today's show. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you've enjoyed our Lead With Your Brand New Year challenge. If you did, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, and I'd love for you to rate the show and help us out by leaving a review. Make sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Jason Patria, and check me out on LinkedIn, where every single week I share tons of tips on how to lead with your brand. And remember, in your career, don't be a commodity like coffee. Make sure that you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.